Welcome to the Fades Better Man NFL Podcast, where we break down the edges, the games by numbers, pros versus Joes, and money line picks plus exotic positions that can be valuable for both fantasy and sports betting. Welcome to the show. I'm the host with the most, Adam the Fade Grice. This wouldn't be possible without our sponsors today, BetChimps.com a website that will help you with all your sports wagering news, updates, tips, and info. Be sure to check them out at betchimps.com. The Fade Productions, where you can get some of the best Lightroom presets, video LUTs, Photoshop actions, brushes, and a lot more to help your creative self be the best version of you. That's thefadepro.com. Alright there everyone, those of you tuning in for the first time, I'm The Fade. The name comes from a general consensus of feeling where I tend to go against public opinion. Always have done that, always will do that. I'm the kind of guy that says you can all get fucked and I do what I want. And this is the Saturday to Sunday Better Man series where we go through late news and info for each game on Sunday, including betting line movements and any... any, movements as well as any steam that might be coming through for Sunday. The first game that we will be covering is a crowd favourite with a lot of sliding towards the boys from Lucas Lucas Oil Stadium. Buffalo Bills minus 7.0 against Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts are getting love from both the pros and the Joes right now. A few pros have already said they have this line set at just a field goal. Just a field goal. And the ones in my circle have suggested the line be closer to two field goals kind of game. Where, you know, you can miss a PAT on a, on a touchdown or something like that. To break this game down by numbers, you have an elite passing game that had a slight hiccup against a team that is easily beaten by the pass. The Bills are completely and utterly devoid of any form of run game. They're going to be passing against one of the worst pass defences in football. And this one's going to be all about Josh Allen and his arm strength. When you are making a quarterback comparison here, the edge is with the Bills. The passing attack for the Colts is too short-handed. You have Michael Pittman Jr. and injured Ty Hilton, and that's just about it. The defense and the ones, you know, they're going to be able. To, the Bills are going to be able to cone the Colts' offense into being one-dimensional through Johnny Taylor. They will struggle to put up points. Expect to see the Bills cover here. I am going against the consensus feeling for everyone here, and I'm happy to expect a bounce back from the Bills. They're just a great team with a great offensive coordinator. I have them winning this game 31-20, and I also like the big man Dawson Knox to get back on the touchdown scorer sheet. The number just mentioned above would take this game over the listed total of 49.5. The Bills passing game is that much better than the Colts. Buffalo Bills minus 7.0, Dawson Knox to score and over 49.5. Moving into the next of the early games, we have the Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans. Houston Texans plus 10.5 against Tennessee Titans. Not a lot of spew. Now, listen to this. A lot of spew is being thrown around about the Titans being a few players from a 5-5 five five record, and it's all fooey. It is complete fooey. The Bills game wasn't a Josh Allen slip. He was stood up by Jess Simmons on the defensive line, he was pushed off his feet. The difference between being pushed off your feet and slipping off your feet. The Saints got away with plenty of flags themselves and 
it's just the new earmark of what this team is all about. They win ugly, they win physical, they get in your face. Now, are you saying, would I be willing to lay 10 points on a street-thugging Titans team? Probably not, because the lack of Henry has hurt this offense. Donta Foreman needs to see an uptick in his usage. He's clearly the best back on the roster. There's a lot of love from me to AP, but the AP of today is like going to YouTube, watching some of his sweet highlights from 2008 on YouTube, then you, spent, you go down and you set the play speed to about 0.25. That's, that's AP right now. Foreman, and more Foreman, is needed for the Titans to win. It will also open the passing attack. Speaking of that, Ryan Tannehill has four career starts against the Texans as the Titans' starting quarterback. He has finished no lower than a top nine position or better as a starting quarterback against the Texans for the Titans. The Texans may have an extra week to prep for this, but I just don't like this team. They lack firepower, they have no running back to be concerned about, and Tyrod Taylor still doesn't seem 100%. Would I take the plus 10 on Houston? Probably not, as this game is just better to avoid. Titans v Texans now made hard pass. From that perspective and that line, but I'd hesitantly take the points here if I'm if anyone told me I had to pick. Also, Foreman to bang in, bang one into the end zone. I feel, I feel a lot of Foreman screens are on the offing here. This game probably goes under the listed forty-four and a half total as well. Texans plus ten point five total goes under and Foreman to score. Tua, Tua, Tua. Will we finally get to see a full game from Tua here? Boy, I hope so. Miami Dolphins minus three point zero against the New York Jets. Boy, I hope so. This Jets team is. Ugly. The defense ranks last in almost every statistical category. They flipped the starting quarterback position to journeyman Joe Flacco, who looked morbidly depressed to be back in his presser when being announced by the Jets. There's just really nothing to like about this team. The line is a soft minus three at this time of publishing, and it is hard to see a way that this game stays within a touchdown. I had this line personally set at minus 7.5 myself, and I'll be taking the extremely Joe Schmo minus 3 here, even though it does feel like it could have an element of a trap to it with so much public attention. Such a trap buster, you Joe. But I think this is where you finally see Jalen Waddle use that field-stretching speed. He splits the field, maybe gets a long touchdown, and this game finishes around the figure of 24-13. I think it trends more towards unders than it does overs, and I'm very happy to take Jalen Model for the touchdown scorer pick here. Miami Dolphins minus 3.0 total goes under Jalen Waddle to score. We're going to move into one of the sharpest plays of the week here with a lot of sharp money on it. New Orleans Saints plus 2.5 against Philadelphia Eagles. We're talking about the Saints here. The Saints against the Eagles. And a lot of sharp money's on the Saints because people just don't trust Jalen Hurts. And it's understandable. He is the most polarizing quarterback in the NFL when it comes to week-to-week expectations. It's, it's just hard to know what he's going to do. He's just being used in a plethora of different ways in the hope of, will this work? And then it kind of does. Then they try something else, and then it doesn't. Then they go back to trying what it did before, and then it does. Then they do something else, and it doesn't. This doesn't just hurt the development of Hurts, but also hurts, it hurts the development of Devonta Smith, who will be a bigger asset for this team moving forward. 
If they can target him more than six times a game, that is. This is an ugly game and will be very scrappy. Simeon isn't an NFL-level quarterback. Kamara is out. This means the big meaty man, Ingram, is back to do the lion's share of the work again. He's going to be running it, catching it. Does that mean we like it? Not really. He doesn't really set the world on fire anymore, being 31, a bit slower. But he will see a lot of action, that's for sure. The Eagles are an extremely disgusting team at stopping tight ends. So maybe we see Adam Troutman finally get the score that he probably would have already had by now if Jameis Winston hadn't gone down. Even though I do love me, Big Man TD, I'm going to stick with Callaway outside the numbers here. I think he's got a more favourable matchup. I think Simeon's going to look to him a little bit more than he will probably Troutman. This is going to be a slow shooter kind of game. It's two defences that want to go after one another. And the edge goes to the under here. I think 42.5 and the sharp action on the Saints plus 2.5. New Orleans Saints plus 2.5 Callaway to score in total goes unders. Jimmy G is another quarterback that can be elite one week and then uh, the next. The 49ers defense looked elite when shutting the Rams down last week. San Francisco 49ers minus 6.0 against Jacksonville Jaguars. And some would say this is an ideal letdown spot after such a big win against such a lowly team like the Jags. The Jags are starting to find themselves on defense. And the Niners are kind of hobbled in notable positions like wide receiver with Debo, who has an injured leg at the moment, but will be playing. You have the running back, Eli Mitchell, who has pins in his broken finger after surgery. You also have tight end Kittle, who's been saying he's got tightness in his legs again. So who knows, maybe Lawrence can find his mojo here, swing a home run here, and knock the Niners out of Duval with a loss. Do we think that's going to happen? <laughs> no, of course not. I'm taking the Niners here with the minus 6. We're going to take it as far as minus 10. Niners in a 2-plus score win here. 34-17 with the big man Kittle finding payday. This one goes goes over the 45 flat. I think most of the work's going to get done by the 49ers there. San Francisco 49ers minus 6.0. Kittle to score. Total goes over. Washington football team lost their biggest defensive piece to their defensive puzzle last week with Chase Young going down to a torn ACL. Washington football team against Carolina Panthers minus 3.0. Can this defense survive without him? Yeah, of course they can. They've got a lot of talent in that front seven. It's still a menacing front seven, and Ron Rivera has intrinsic knowledge of Carolina's new starting quarterback, Cam Newton. Blast from the past. Will it be enough to stop him? I highly doubt it. I expect to see Rule draw up a lot of short passing to get Cam in a rhythm, get comfortable with everything again, not challenge him to throw it downfield. So he's probably going to see a lot of screens, a lot of dump-off passes, Christian McCaffrey, which is going to make him fantasy gold this week, especially in PPR formats. So fantasy owners can rejoice with their former consensus number one pick. The question here is, do the football team have enough offensive pieces to beat a top-five defense? The answer is no. It's a flat-out no. They got lucky last week with the lazily prepared Bucks who thought they were just going to win if they turned up. The Panthers will win this one through their defense and McCaffrey. I'm going to eat on the Panthers minus three. I'm, just going, to, I'm going to eat on it this weekend, and we're going to be dining with some fine wine when Cam Newton runs a touchdown in here. If he gets inside five yards, this man's going to run it in. He doesn't. Nobody else exists. This game mostly likely won't see a plethora of points. I have this one set at 23-16 and under the 43. 
Carolina Panthers minus 3.0 Cam Newton scores and under the total. There's a lot of sharp money in steaming right now on the Minnesota Vikings to beat the Packers. Green Bay Packers minus 2.5 against Minnesota Vikings. Will this happen just because there is no Aaron Jones? I feel this is a slight overreaction in the market to Jones being out. The Packers are the better overall football team with the better overall quarterback and the better all over better overall defense. That's three ticks in each box that you want to hear when you're picking a team to win something. Everything makes sense here to fade the big money rolling in on the Vikings right now and take the Packers. There is a lot of big money tickets on the Vikings already. Going against the Sharps on this one and taking the Packers minus 2.5 in a high-scoring game that goes over 47.5 with Randall Cobb scoring just seems like the perfect mix for a great dinner for me. I'm going to put that all in the pot, stir it up for a good 60 minute on a slow cook, and I'm going to eat it and eat it and eat it and eat it. Green Bay Packers minus 2.5 Randall Cobb scores and total goes over. The next game we're looking at here is the Lions. The Lions, despite all their woes this season, have been very good at covering lines. Detroit Lions against Cleveland Browns minus 12.0. This week, an ego Bruce Baker Mayfield and a healthy Nick Chubb will look to rectify things after Bill Belichick and Mac Jones took him to school and gave him a bit of a bit of a hosing out the back of the old gym. It was ugly. It was a very ugly, very embarrassing loss for Baker Mayfield. That was a very Big hit to his confidence. Browns won't have Garrett this week due to personal reasons, which hurts the Browns' defense, but the Lions will likely be without Jared Goff. You could argue at this point that it isn't much of a loss if Goff starts or not. It's, it's really not. The Browns have a very big line this week because it's the Lions. Minus 10 is what it opened at. It's shifted to minus 12.5 already. I expect to see a lot of double tight end packages from the Browns, so we'll probably be seeing a lot of Nyoku and Hooper, as well as a dosage of Chubb which will probably give them a lot of points on the board. And you've got to ask yourself, do the Lions have the kind of artillery to keep up with the Browns if the Browns start clicking? I think the Browns are going to return serve here on last week, and it's going to be a blowout. I think the Browns are going to pose 30-plus points. They're going to cover the minus 12. And for the total, I think it goes over the 42.5. Easy tutty score a pick here is Chubb, but the value is definitely in Hooper. Cleveland Browns minus 12.0. Nick Chubb scores total goes over. The Ravens got a huge boon this week when the news broke that Khalil Mack will require season-ending urgery. Baltimore Ravens minus 6.0 against Chicago Bears. Allen Robinson, too. He's going to be banged up, likely sits with a hamstring injury, which leaves Field with three options, basically. Cole Kmet at tight end, Darnell Mooney out wide, and Montgomery coming out of the backfield, possibly with a bit of Khalil Herbert sprinkled in there. I don't want to say this game will get ugly, but unless Fields finds like a miracle spray or a miracle bottle of rub lotion pre-game, the Ravens are winning this one and they're going to win it with pretty pretty good pretty good ease. I do love the development Fields has done since game one to where he's at now, but the Bears are just missing too many crucial players and key players here and the coaching disparity between Harbo and Nagy is massive. Harbo is just such a better coach than Nagy is. Ravens by 10 here for me, covering the minus 6. The game goes over the 44.5. Big fan of another big Martini here and the big Mark Andrews. Baltimore Ravens minus 6.0. Mark Andrews to score total goes over. The later game here, 
a little bit of a mental tug of war. We have the Bengals against the Raiders here. The Bengals don't like fixing their O-line at all. They've just never even considered it. Cincinnati Bengals minus 1.0 against Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders have two absolute weapons on the D-line in Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby. Burrows has shown that he has a tendency to go full deer in headlights when you can get after him early. This is the Raiders' key to success here. If they can get after Burrows early, they'll have him rattled. And that's how they win it. Will they be able to do it? I doubt it. This team's in free fall now. There's no trust inside the facility, no support, no kindred ship. Even the fans are starting to turn on players. They all start to turn on Derek Carr for some reason. I don't know why. The rugs blow was massive for this team. Arnett not so much because he wasn't the sharpest knife in the draw. But everyone loved Raiders. He's a good family man. He brought the family to the games, the training facilities. Everybody loved him. He's just a good guy. And the Raiders are going to struggle internally for this for a long time. Do I think they come back after this? I, I don't. This is kind of back to the back to the wall type of game for the Bengals as well, because the Ravens are winning and the Steelers are winning, pinching away at their backs. So Burrows really needs to have a good game, and I think he's going to pop off for three hundred plus here. Big man TD here as well to CJ Uzmoa, who faces the worst short field defense against tight ends this season. Raiders fail to put up points here as well, I think. I don't think they score more than one touchdown. I think this total stays under 50. It's going to be like 27-13. The Bengals walk out the winners. Cincinnati Bengals minus 1.0. CJ Uzmoet to score. Total goes under. The battle of the injured quarterbacks is the next one. We have a possibly sitting Kyler Murray against a Russell Wilson with pins and needles in his hands who looked absolutely terrible last week when being rushed back to play seattle seahawks plus 2.5 against arizona cardinals while wilson gives guys like dk metcalf and tyler lockett more upside from a fantasy perspective if wilson is still hurt then he doesn't offer much more than what geno smith has the last few weeks the cardinals have a top defense the Seahawks didn't, but over the last five weeks, the Seahawks have turned their defense around to be a top five defense from being one of the worst in the leagues. That's pretty impressive. This game doesn't scream points. The sharp money is slapping the unders right now, which makes sense as these two teams will look to slow each other down. This could be a two touchdown kind of game, one each, and the disparity or the difference in the goals comes from a, a, a battle of the field goal kickers. Seattle on the points here with the notion that Murray is out, also under the 47.5 for me here, with a possible Alex Collins sneaky touchdown. Seattle Seahawks plus 2.5 Alex Collins to score, total goes under. This is an interesting game that's coming up now, as a lot of people are torn on who they should pick between the Cowboys and the Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs minus 2.5 against Dallas Cowboys. Can the Cowboys beat Patrick Mahomes? This is the big question that needs to be answered. Mahomes has started to turn things around. I'm not sure as much as you have to love all the turnovers from Diggs, but you have to hate the ton of big plays he gives up. Love the, love the turnovers, hate the big plays. If we're talking offensive weapons, Cowboys probably have a small edge, but I don't expect Darrell Williams to get nine catches and a buck and a score out of the backfield this week. I just flat out don't see it happening. Both M, both offences can get extremely hot. Extremely hot. They're the two hottest offences in football right now. And despite the Cowboys bottling the game against Denver, they can score and they can score fast. Both teams have terrible defences and the Cowboys will be without Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence, both who are out. 
it is hard to see where the Cowboys are going to generate enough pressure to try and unsettle or slow Mahomes down. Mahomes and a field goal line seems too good to be true, but I'll reluctantly take the minus 2.5 and, and the over 56.5. This is the type of game where we will see Travis Kelsey get back on the back in the end zone here for another big man TD. Kansas City Chiefs minus 2.5 Travis Kelsey to score total goes over. Here's some fun fire facts here right now. Mike Tomlin is 24 and 15 in his career when starting as the listed underdog. It isn't far-fetched to believe that the Steelers can win. Pittsburgh Steelers plus 6.0 against Los Angeles Chargers. Herbert has shown that he has a couple of chinks in his armor. And there's a lot of public love and action for the Chargers right now. It's a very square bet to take the Chargers. Both defenses are missing key personnel. The Steels will be without Minka Fitzpatrick, their best player in the secondary. They'll be without their best pass rusher, TJ Watt. And the Chargers will also be without their best pass rusher in, in, in Bosa. If Big Ben starts, it's probably far more beneficial for the, for the Steelers than it is if Rudolph starts. However, the Chargers are very susceptible to up-the-gut runs, and if Tomlin wants to control this one and follow the blueprints of teams before him and keep Herbert cold on the sideline, which has proven to be a winning strategy, then he needs to feed Najee Harris the ball, and he needs to run him up the middle of the field. Not the outsides, the middle. He needs to go up the gut, make the most of the opportunity, and take the Chargers off the field to win this one. However, I think this is a great spot for a middle with the Chargers to win and the Steelers to cover the plus six. It really screams of a field goal kind of game. I've got it as a 2017 win for the Chargers and an under the 47. Pittsburgh Steelers plus 6.0 Najee Harris to score under the total. Now we move across to the big Monday game. The Monday night game looks to be an exceptional game if you're willing to take these big line, big big lines. Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus 10.0 against New York Giants. Tom Brady, when a double-digit favorite at home since starting for the Bucks, is 4-0, and the team has put no fewer than 34 points up on the board in the process. Do the Giants have that kind of power to keep up? Of course they do. Daniel Jones has not had offense as healthy as it currently is right now. Saquon Barkley is expected to be back, which is huge for this team. If Kadarius Tony can manage not to punch somebody and get ejected and play at the high level he's capable of, and Galladay is also able to chip in, then they can definitely put a lot of points on the board, especially when you sprinkle in players like Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram. These pieces can score points. The problem is they just lack the chemistry and the finesse to do so because they never seem to be on the field at the same time together. It's a big component to not have. The Bucks will get Gronk back, which gives Brady his huge safety blanket across the middle of the field. I think Fournette is going to see a lot of cheap shots, a lot of dump-off yardage passes, screens and things like that because the Giants just lack the front-end speed in their front seven to keep up with a short play like that. I have the Bucks winning this one by 17. I have it as a 37-20 win for the Buccaneers. I'm taking the 49.5. I'm going over with it. I'm a big fan of the ground and pound from Leonard Fournette, and I think I can see him making a few big plays to get some scores to make up for last week's mishaps. Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus 10.0. Leonard Fournette to score a total goes over. Now, if someone was to take me out back and say, pick a favorite line or we put two in your knees 
I'm going to side with the Dolphins at minus three. I can see Gasicki being too much for the middle of the field for the Jets to handle. I think Jalen Waddle's speed outside is going to be too much for them to handle. His field stretching capabilities opens up the, the RPO game, which then, of course, makes Miles Gaskin a problem. It's just a shame Devontae Parker isn't healthy because he would have feasted on this Jets defense. His physicality, his over-the-top ability, when he played that one game, he was just electric. I think the Dolphins win by no less than 10 points here. If I was forced to do the same for my favorite total and tutty scorer this week, I'd be leaning over the fence and having a good yarn with Dawson Knox, giving him the 4-1-1 on what happens to guys like me when guys like him don't score. I'm not taking two to the knees, but I'm pretty sure he's going to get in the end zone. He almost did last week. I think he's a very good shout. My favorite total this week is going to be the Texans and the Titans to go under the 44.5. I love what Tannehill is doing right now outside of the turnovers. The turnovers are about 50-50 split for, for fault between receiver and quarterback. The big thing I see is just the defensive front from the Titans is going to be too much, and the Texans just have no ground game to take it away. They have no pass. I think the Titans' pass rush with the Music City Maulers is going to be too much. The Texans just lack offensive diversification to outscore the Titans, who will go back to their roots here and run Foreman. I'm expecting Foreman to have around 22 to 24 touches this week, and it wouldn't shock me if he scores once or twice. It really wouldn't. It just wouldn't. We have made, we have made it here, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to check back here Tuesday for the Tuesday Tower, where we go over the weekend's action. Who outperformed who? The advice here went. How the advice in this this podcast went. And how much shame everyone is feeling after their fantasy weekend run. Did you get hosed? Did you hose somebody? Are you happy? Let me know. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, betchips.com and thefadepro.com. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media. You can follow me at The Fade. That's the and F4D3. On Instagram, it's at Real The Fade with Fade spelled the exact same way. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And until Tuesday, peace.